Father, what a joy it is to gather with your people, to lift our voices together and put our attention on you, direct our affections towards you, and be attentive to hear what you have to say through your word, through your spirit. And so we ask that you would speak to us this morning, open our eyes to see wonderful things in your word, thrill our hearts, change our thinking and transform our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, this is the last sermon in our series on focus. And this week we're going to focus on uh, community, fellowship, doing life together for the glory of God from Romans chapter 15. God has wired you and I for relationship. The creator of the universe, who the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, made you and I in his image and created us as relational beings. So we have the capacity to communicate to one another, to express love, to express sorrow, to express joy. And we have the capacity to receive from one another and to give to one another. We have the capacity to reflect God's image, to reflect God's glory here on earth. And at the beginning of creation, when after God created Adam... God declared when he saw Adam by himself and Adam has all these animals and he's naming all the animals, but there was no helper suitable for him. God declared that it was not good for man to be alone because God has created us to be relational beings. God says, let us make man in our own image. In chapter one, the triune God created mankind to be relational beings. And if you've ever experienced a season of loneliness, you know that it's not good for you to be alone. I remember in 2004 or 2005, I wanted to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and I wanted to do a 40 day fast. And so I saved up some money, quit my job. I made arrangements. A friend of mine had a house in Richardson that I could stay in. I was planning the camp as long as I could endure it. Like out in the wilderness, I wanted solitude. I wanted no food. I want prayer, fasting, Bible, glory. That's what I wanted, okay? I had high expectations and I wanted to come back like Jesus did out of the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit, preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, it didn't, it didn't go all that glorious for me, but there were some really sweet things that God did in my heart and taught me through almost six weeks of solitude and no eating. Um, I decided I wasn't going to go to church at first. I was just, this is just me and Jesus. I was already connected in a good, healthy church and had a great community, but I was, I was trying to even fast from people, which... I, later on, I decided wasn't wasn't really a good idea because I got a couple weeks into it not having the regular rhythms of fellowship, and I felt this longing, this itch to be with the people of God in the presence of God together. And so I broke my fast from people, 
Okay. <laughs> and I showed up at church after missing several, several meetings and, and I just sat there in my seat, just, just weeping, just thinking, God, this is so sweet. Your presence is so sweet here and your people gathered together with our common love and faith and commitment to Jesus is so sweet and so precious. I need this. My soul needs this. It is not good for man to be alone. And the marriage is not the only solution for that. God has created us to be in family. We're formed for family. We're created for community. We need one another. We need intimate relationship with one another where we know and we're known by one another. So one of the biggest insights I, I got out of that six weeks of, 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 of much solitude and seeking the Lord was I need community. If I'm going to fulfill the purpose of God on my life, I cannot do that in isolation. I need to do that with the people of God. And our American culture has trained us to think individualism. Me, my, I. And when it comes to Christianity, you and I will no, no Christian will flourish following Jesus if they're ice from community. Amen. So we need one another. And I'm, before we dig into the text, I just want to point out some dangers of isolation. Drifting spiritually. And we'll look at this in Hebrews as we next week, Lord willing. Deception you be, to deceiving yourself. Discouragement, loneliness, purposelessness, vulnerability. So these are some dangers. So we know there's some dangers. We'll look at some benefits at the end. But but before we do that, we're going to look at Romans 15. And we're going to look at how the Apostle Paul exhorts the people of God to live together for the glory of God. And why they should live together in harmony. Romans 15, starting in verse 1. It says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. Not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good. To build him up. For Christ did not please himself. But as it is written. The reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures. We might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. That together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And all God's people said... Amen. So here's our big idea. God has called his people to help one another to live in harmony together for the glory of his name. God has called us to help one another to live in harmony together for the glory of his name. Let's look at verse one here. The first thing that Paul teaches us and how we are to glorify God together is to bear with one another. 
Or specifically, he says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not please ourselves. Now, Paul's continuing a train of thought that he he started in Romans chapter 14 about Christians that have different convictions concerning food. Christians who have different convictions concerning the celebration of holy days, Sabbaths, festivals. You see, Christianity, when God, God saved the Jewish people and then he started saving Gentile people, non-Jewish people who weren't brought up the same way that Jews were brought up. And so they had a lot of cultural differences that they had to work through when it comes to diet and rhythms of life and, and days that they celebrate and practices. One of the, the, the groups of, of the Gentiles, the pagans that came to the Lord, were coming out of idol worship where there was food sacrificed to idols. And so one of the one of the conflicts and the issues in the book of First Corinthians, and we see Romans here, he's addressing this, is do we eat this food that we know was sacrificed to idols? And Paul's like, well, you know, if it doesn't convict your conscience and you're you're free, okay, go ahead and eat it. But but if you feel condemned and you there's a conviction inside you, your your conscience is is smitten because you eat because you know it was sacrificed to idols, don't do it. And, 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 and don't cause your brother or sister to stumble if they do it or if they don't do it. And don't judge your brother or sister if they eat or don't eat. Paul says, don't destroy, don't destroy those who, who God loves and made the people of God for, for food. If we're grieved over our brother or sister and what they eat, we're no longer walking in love. And he says in this powerful verse in chapter 14, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. But righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And those who serve Christ in these things are acceptable. It's acceptable for us to serve Christ in this way. So that's some of the context that the Apostle Paul is addressing here. Because the strong are ref- is, is a reference to those who have liberty. Liberty to do certain things that the weak brother or sister may not have the same liberty to do. For them, it may be a stumbling block and something that's harmful to their walk with Jesus. And, and Paul says to the strong brother or sister, or should I say the, the mature brother or sister, I think there's a, a sense of element of maturity that they should bear with the failings of the weak. They should not only tolerate some of the struggles that our other brothers and sisters are going, but also not only tolerate, but also help our brothers and sisters with with a focus not to please ourselves, but to please to please them, to bless them. Not thinking about our own interest primarily, thinking about putting others before ourselves. So this is one way that we can glorify God together. Bear with one another. Okay, Paul says in Galatians 6, he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is what Jesus did. Paul also said in Colossians 3, 13, he says, if anyone has a complaint towards one another, they should forgive and forbear one another, even as Christ has forgiven you. And so we bear with one another. We, we tolerate one another. We're patient with one another. We walk with one another. We help one another. God has designed us for this. God has designed us as human beings to be helpers, to help one another. And if you, if you have children, I'm sure you see this in your children and you see it in the way that they may love to help mommy or daddy. 
until it actually becomes toil, toilsome work, right? <laughs> I love watching my wife with, with our, with our girls and her, the way that she, she lets them get up there on a stool and help mommy cook or help mommy bake. And for me, it's like, it's kind of chaotic. Like, give me space. If I'm cooking, like, give me space. I need this space. Like, you're making a mess. You're dropping wood, slowing it down. But she patiently does it because she sees the value in it. She knows that God has wired us to want to contribute. We have a need to be needed. And we need others, what others bring to the table. And God's just designed it that way. He's called us the body of Christ. And so we we desperately need one another. What happens to any part of a body that gets severed from your body? It dies, yeah. And so if we're going to thrive as parts of the body, individual parts of one whole body, we need to be connected to one another. What happens to sheep that stray away from the flock? They become vulnerable to danger, to prey. They become prey to a roaring lion. And so we're wired to help one another. My, my son Justice, our um, year and a half year old, even he has this, this design that I can see within him. And I've, I've been trying to maximize it at, at this age. When I'm changing his diapers, sometimes it can get really wild because he likes to squirm while he's getting his diaper changed and, and resist. But I've learned something that if, if I'll ask him, can you hold the diaper for daddy? He will be content to hold the diaper for daddy because he's helping daddy. And, and it's, it's worked. It's, it, and he really is helping daddy. Okay. Uh, not, it's not just a psychological thing. He's helping daddy by sitting still. And you know what? He's taking it a step further. I'll say, can you take the diaper to the trash can? And he will walk to the trash can with the dirty diaper and put it in there. And I'm just, and I just think, yes, I want to train him to be a helper, to contribute, not to just be a consumer but to be a contributor to the overall good of the family. And that's what God has designed us for in the family of God, to to be recipients of help, recipients of grace, recipients of love and encouragement, but also conduits of love, conduits of grace, conduits of truth, conduits of help to others, just as the Lord has helped us in our weakness. So we are to bear with one another next We are to build up one another and please one another. Verse 2 says, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. So we're to build up one another. This idea of pleasing our neighbor is different than what Paul talked about in Galatians 1, being a people pleaser. He said, If I seek to please men, I'm no longer a servant of Christ, right? We are to build up one another. God has wired in the body of Christ help that we need. So we have the saints, we have the saints, we have the scripture, we have the savior, and we have the spirit all for our help. And to build up effectively, we need Christ to be our example, We need to center on Jesus and focus on the way that he lived his life. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Christ, he had an others-oriented mentality. And by the way, this is the mark of of a mature, healthy Christ follower, is they're thinking about others. 
They're thinking about others. And one of the things I love about this, by the way, is that as we seek to help others, as we seek the good of others around us, we actually find our joy fulfilled. It's not that we're completely denied of any pleasure as Christians. We are supplied with endless pleasure in Jesus and knowing him in his presence. There's fullness of joy, but also helping others. Our Lord has said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. We're more happy when we're not only recipients of good, but we're conduits of good where we're building up. Okay, so Christ is our example. That's what he came to do. He came to save. He came to rescue. He came to love. He came to heal. He was thinking about those around him and thinking about bringing glory to God with the way that he treated those around him. So Christ is our example and the scriptures are essential for building up one another. If we're going to do this well, We need to centralize around the word of God. Verse four, whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. We might have hope. God has designed us as the church to be messengers of salvation, messengers of the good news, messengers who carry his word and speak his words and impart grace into the lives of others with our words. God's set it up that way. And so if we're going to do this effectively, we need to be Bible centered. We need to be Christ centered. We gospel centered. We need to be Bible centered because the the scriptures were written to instruct us in how we are to live in a way that most glorifies God, most does most good to people. And Paul says that through the endurance and the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. The scripture here at City Church, the scripture has authority in how we live our lives. And how we think and how we live. And so if there's anything that I'm doing or you're doing that doesn't line up with scripture, we have an obligation as Christian brothers and sisters to speak the truth in love. You see, as, as a, as a community that seeks the good of one another, we need not only to affirm the good and call out the good and the positive in the lives of our brothers and sisters, but we also need accountability. Where we bring the truth lovingly. Affirmation and accountability are good. If my, my son and has told me some things that he wants to be when he grows up and they're, they're honorable things that he aspires to be. And I, I ask him from time to time, what are you thinking? What do you want to be when you grow up? And he said, he has said a few things and I affirm him in the good of those things, of those occupations, of that desire. I want to be this. And, and I want to, I want to, I want to be his, his greatest cheerleader and coach and help him. But also as, as his father, I'm going to tell him, son, if you want to be that great thing, then you need to start with making your bed. I, I love that you want to do that great thing and you want to help people and you want to make an impact in the world, but start with making your bed. Start with putting your dishes in the dishwasher. Start with putting your shoes up. Start with doing those basic things of responsibility where you're thinking about others within the context of your family that God's given you. 
Because if you do that well, that'll help prepare you for the next step that God has in life for you. So yes, we should affirm one another. And those, when, 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 when a brother or sister has this aspiration, this call to do this great thing for God, or, or exercise this spiritual gift and, 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 and bless others, or, or, or go help somebody and serve some, somebody, we should affirm one another, but also we should speak the truth in love and bring some accountability to one another. Amen? And so that's a part of building up. Paul prays this prayer. He, he, by example and by his focus in the prayer, he shows us how we are to glorify God together. And that is where to be unified as a church. Listen to this prayer, verse five and six. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This really matters to God. This matters so much that Jesus in his last hours before he went to the cross, it was on his heart to pray for the church that they would be one that they would be united. This is the heart of God. God the Son speaking to God the Father. And we got this snapshot into this intimate conversation Jesus is having with the Father. And he's concerned about the unity and the harmony of the church together. So that the world may believe. The uniting of the church together, working side by side together, affects our effectiveness in reaching the lost. And it affects our ability to be faithful witnesses to a lost and dying world. Jesus said this in John 13, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Love one another as I have loved you. And again, Christ is the basis. Christ is the example. That is core in our vision. Love people. In our values, loving community is a part of uh, one of our values here at City Church. If we fail to do this, we fail to do the will of God. But if we do this, if we love well, we love God well, we love others well, we're going to be happy, joyful people whose lives are pouring over with blessing to others around us. So even the Apostle Paul makes this a prayer for the church. And, and in the prayer, notice what he calls God. Now, the scriptures also have these same two elements, endurance or patience, depending on what translation you're looking at. He's the God of patience. Okay, if you struggle with patience towards your brother or sister or your children, meditate on that. God is the God of patience and the scriptures teach us to live patient lives, right? But he's also the God of encouragement. The God of encouragement. There's a sweetness about that, that we get encouragement from scripture. We get encouragement from God, the God of encouragement. We get encouragement from the saints when the saints line up to do God's will and say, here I am, Lord. Romans 12, 1, take my life. Take my life and use it. Fill me. Use it. And, and, and in Romans, in this part of Romans, by the way, Paul has already unpacked 1 through 11. He's unpacked gospel theology, rich, deep theology. And from Romans 12 to the end of the chapter, he's giving practical instructions in how you and I, how the saints are to live out the gospel in day-to-day living, how we are to live out the one another's. And one of the ways we do that is by being unified. The apostle Paul tells us in Philippians 1, uh, 27, 
he, he exhorted the Philippians to strive side by side together for the faith of the gospel. Strive side by side. And and in connection to that, he says, walk worthy of the gospel. Walk worthy of the gospel. And one of the ways that you and I walk worthy of the gospel and we glorify God is by working side by side together with one another, not against each other. We're walking side by side together. And what unites us is our common love and devotion to Jesus. Eugene Peterson paraphrases this as, may our dependably, steady, and warmly personal God develop maturity in you so that you may get along with each other as well as Jesus gets along with us. Then we'll be a choir, not our voices only, but our very lives singing in harmony in a stunning anthem to God and the Father of our Lord and Master. Isn't this a good paraphrase? As a father of four, I know the joy and delight of hearing my children getting along and playing together well. And I also know the displeasure of whines and complaints and fights and selfish things done because they're sinners in need of a savior, right? And, and we, we delight the heart of God. God gets much glory through our lives when we work together, when we walk together side by side, where we seek to build up one another, encourage one another, where we show up for one another. We bear with the, the failings of one another in unity. I love particularly how the body has gathered around Tim and Sheila through this difficult time in, in the season of life. By the way, Tim has surgery for cancer tomorrow, right? Let's be in prayer for him and for, for them as they walk through that. But it's been beautiful for me to see the church rally around them, to help with the garage sale, show up, be praying for them. Particularly, Bridger and Brianne have really just delighted my heart the way that they have They've jumped in there and they've got down, they've gotten their hands dirty, literally. Paul said of Philemon in Philemon 1.7, he said that he was comforted by his love because the saints were refreshed from, from his love. He was comforted, he was encouraged. When he looked at Philemon's life, he was encouraged that he was refreshing the saints of others. And we have several um, saints like that here who are thinking about others. By the way, this is our DNA. I'm preaching to the choir here. You all know this and we are practicing this. I'm not preaching this like we're not doing it. Let's, let's get it, get our act together. We are doing this. Okay. And God's going to take us to a whole nother level of doing this together, loving one another well, walking with one another, building up one another, being unified together, being in harmony together. Harmony, by the way, I looked up the English definition in the Oxford Dictionary and regarding music, uh, harmony is notes that are played or sung with the main tune that make the piece more complicated and interesting. Okay, uh, in regards to music, don't don't you just love a good symphony Just sit at a symphony and all the different instruments that are playing orchestra, just playing together and just at the right time they come in and, and it just, it's beautiful and that takes work. That just doesn't, that doesn't happen on the fly. Okay. Unless it's like a jazz session or something, but, but even that, the, the musicians have worked hard to prepare for 
that, that, that moment, right? As our orchestra director over here is shaking her head. Yes, yes. Um, we have a harmony here, okay, with our lives and with music. By the way, let me, let me just say the worship team has been knocking it out of the park, okay? Kevin, I'm grateful for you in the way that you lead in that. But I'm, I'm, I appreciate having times together as a church where we can lift up our voices, pour out our hearts, be refreshed in the presence of God together, and have beautiful music that help facilitate and enhance those special moments in the presence of God. Because the music and the voices can actually, they can distract too. But, but here, they magnify Jesus. They point us to Jesus. David on the drums is rocking it over there, just getting me pumped up for Jesus, wanting to love Jesus and love people more. Alicia on the violin, just get, helping me to be calm and just, just sit in the presence, just enjoy. Just quiet your heart, quiet your soul. Kevin just stern, stern you up with the word and with passion and like, come on guys, get your praise on, right? Danny on the bass. One, one arm jamming it, just like bringing all he got. I love it. I love it. Uh, Julie, today, just Julie, I, I love hearing you worship God. The way you pour your heart out to God and just letting it out. Because it's not coming just from your voice, but you're singing from your spirit. There's joy that exudes from your spirit from the inside out. Today, we got the privilege of having Brian on the guitar too. Brian, I just love the sweetness that you bring to corporate worship just your life there's a sweetness about you that just refreshes others you're mindful thoughtful of others david you've done an excellent job as well on the uh on the guitar and i'm often reminded of king david okay just just <laughs> david we got a david in the house right and so we have a precious body here this really is a gift of god dietrich bonhoeffer in his book life together says that the privilege to visit, for the church to meet together visibly is a gift of the grace of God. It's a gift of the grace of God, and not every Christian has that privilege. There are parts of the world that if you lived in and you're a Christian, you could not show up to a meeting like this and just praise the Lord and let it out because... There's fear that the government or somebody might come in and shut you down and take your life or arrest you for doing what you're doing. And we, we, we tend to forget, we, for, we tend to forget how special this is for us to be able to come together as the people of God, as the family of God and lift our voices when we're discouraged. We get encouraged by one another. We get encouraged from the scriptures. We get refreshed being in the presence of God. We get comforted by the love and the affection of our brothers and sisters around us we get inspired to love jesus more as we see others doing great things for god and making sacrifices and being generous and being thoughtful of others hebrews 10 says we're stirred up to love and good works and then when you when you join in the song when you join with your life with your gift with your part you're adding to the beautiful dynamic of the harmony okay Rachel Most, I think about her and, and the birthday cards that she has written for several years now, sending them out faithfully to show up for our members to say, hey, we love you. We're thinking about you. We see this in you. 
And they're just, they're spot on. It's a very practical way that love has been conveyed through the body of Christ. Thank you for that. Harmony also means not just in music, but it also that one of the definitions uh, refers to being in agreement, agreement of ideas, feelings, actions, or pleasing combination of different parts. He ima- quote, here's an example. He imagined a society in which all races live together in harmony. All right. And that's God's vision for his church. That's our vision here for City Church, that we love people well, that we be united in that, that we bring our part to the table for the good of others. Notice that Christ is the basis for our unity. I love how Paul does this over and over and over again. He points us to the reference point, to the plumb line here. Here's why we should do this. And here's how we should do this. Because Jesus has been like this towards you. He's been gracious. He's accepted you. He's welcomed you in to his family. Verse 7 says, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. God gets glory when we, when we treat one another the way that he's treated us with grace. Grace upon grace, with kindness, with patience. If you ever struggle with patience towards another brother and sister, remind yourself of how patient God has been with you. Just helpful. If you ever struggle with unforgiveness towards a brother or sister, remind yourself of how, how generous God has forgiven you. Right? Okay? And, and, and so Christ is our example. Listen to what the theologian D.A. Carson says about this. He says, the church is made up of natural enemies. What binds us together is not education, common race, common income levels, common politics, common nationality, common accents, common jobs, or anything of that sort. Christians come together because they have been saved by Jesus Christ and owe him a common allegiance. They are a band of natural enemies who love one another for Jesus' sake. Isn't this beautiful? How God can take, for instance, the Jew, the Jew and the Gentile. In Ephesians 2, Paul talks about this and tear down this barrier of hostility between the two. How God can, can take a, a, a gang member or a drug addict and, or somebody who's done, done harm to another person and, and they've been natural enemies. And then they can all of a sudden love one another and walk together in, in a family together. Isn't that beautiful? So lastly, he tells us, be welcoming. Be welcoming. So this is another way that we can, we can glorify God and walk together is accept one another, as another translation says. Therefore, accept one another or receive one another. This is the opposite of rejection. And each of us, I know, have felt the pain of rejection at one point or another in our lives. And ooh, it can go deep when you feel it from somebody. Whether conveyed intentionally or unintentionally, rejection can hurt deeply. And I, I have a vision for us here to be a super welcoming church where love is experienced and where truth is proclaimed. Where we thrive together as a community because we're, we have truth. The church, Paul calls the church the pillar of truth, by the way. Okay, and as a community, we need, we need to receive and accept one another, but also we need to speak the truth in love, right? To one another. Here's some benefits of 
being connected in community. Seven of them. I've taken several of these from David Mathis's book, Habits of Grace. He has a few chapters on fellowship. And, and one of the benefits of being connected in fellowship is acceptance. As Paul is exhorting here for the church to do, accept one another, receive one another. This is what Jesus has done to you. This is an expression of love. This is an expression of grace. Affirmation. Being affirmed. Okay, now typically in our culture, this has been twisted uh, to the point where, you know, people will ask, you know, is your church an affirming church? When, when some, if somebody asks you that question, what are you thinking they're asking? Is your church an affirming church? Yeah, do, do you accept homosexuality as something that's okay and people who practice that, right? I desire for us to be an affirming church, but not affirming of sinful practices. And homosexuality is a sinful practice that, according to the Bible. And so is adultery and so is many other sins that we can list. But here at City Church, we, we receive people as they are with all their brokenness and all their sinful struggles. But we call them to take next steps in following Jesus and we're patient with them. That's, that's the goal. We want, we want to help people be all that God has created us to be and do all that God's created us to do. So acceptance and affirmation, these are benefits of being connected. When someone rejoices with you over something good that's in your life, that's an affirmation to you. That just feels good. When somebody weeps with you, when you're, when you've lost someone or you've gone through a really hard time, that's an affirmation of it hurts. The pain hurts. I feel it with you. We're, we're with you in this. Instead of just saying, just get over it. We, we affirm one another. And yeah, it hurts. This world. Do you feel the world is broken? We do. We do. We feel it. We see it. Do you see the shadows deepen? We do. Do you know that all the dark won't stop us? Life from getting through. We do. And so we affirm that. It's hard. Life is hard. And we encourage one another and we speak the truth to one another about the gospel. And that also involves accountability. A benefit of being together in community connected is accountability. We need you and I need accountability. If we're going to reach our, our, our greatest potential and do what God's called us to do. He's a God who holds us accountable. There is a day of account that we will stand before Right. And in relationship, you need accountability from others to know and be known by one another and still be accepted and loved with all your brokenness, with all your struggles. I mean, that's one of the beauties of the gospel and Christianity is that, that we can be known with the warts and all and still be loved and accepted. As uh, one psychologist, Dr. Larry Crabb said, each of us fervently Want someone to see us exactly as we are, warts and all, and still accept us. Tim Keller in his book on uh, the meaning of marriage says this. He says, to be loved and not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is not, it is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense. It humbles us from our self-righteousness. It fortifies us from any difficulty life can throw at us. So we need this. We need 
to be known and, and loved and accepted. Assurance. When, when we're connected in a body, we're assured of the truth, the gospel that we believe and we stand upon it together. Our faith is strengthened. We get confidence. Advanced. There, we grow spiritually being connected in the body by receiving from others and giving to others, contributing. We grow. We grow in being able to use our spiritual gifts and receive from other spiritual gifts. And we advance the gospel as well. Awakening. Corporate worship and being connected in a local church awakens you when you show up. When there is spiritual vibrancy around you in the lives of those around you and coming from the pulpit and coming from the worship team and coming from the members, it has a way of convicting you if you're spiritually coasting. If your if your spiritual senses are dull, if you're compromising and you're just wanting to seek comfort and coast spiritually, there's an awakening, a stirring, a convicting, a challenging that happens in us when we meet together in relationship, extenuated joy. An extenuated joy we get to experience together. A sweetest proverb says, a shared joy is a double joy. Amen. A shared joy is a double joy. Often we come into corporate worship feeling a sense of spiritual fog. During the rough and tumble of the week, the hard knocks of real life in the fallen world, they can disorient us to the ultimate reality of what's truly important. We need to clear out our heads, recalibrate our spirits, and jumpstart our slow hearts. And this happens in corporate worship. Martin Luther said this, He said, at home in my own house, there is no warmth or vigor in me. But in the church, when the multitude is gathered together, a fire is kindled in my heart and it breaks its way through. The psalmist in Psalm 73, uh, Kevin started us off this morning with it. Um, The psalmist was struggling with seeing the prosperity of the wicked in him going through hard times in his own life. And he was wrestling with is it really worth it to be pure and righteous and live godly before god when i see these ungodly people prospering financially and at ease and he was wrestling with it like gosh you know god this doesn't make sense and it says until he went into the sanctuary of god he went into corporate worship and he was reminded of the biblical perspective he was reminded of their end the ungodly's end And he was reminded that he has everything he needs in God, that God is his portion, that God is the strength of his heart and his portion forever, that God is continually with him, that God is near him. And he says, it's good for me to be near God. Amen. Matthias says the secret of joy in corporate worship is not only self-forgetfulness, preoccupation with Jesus and his glory, but also happy awareness That we are not alone in having our souls satisfied in him. And so let's close an application. The first thing is I would encourage is to be present by listening to one another. With an aim to help and encourage. Be present in listening to one another. Listen to to what's going on. Ask questions. There is uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer describes in his book Life Together. He describes this ministry of listening. Listening can be really powerful, especially in a noisy world when, when there's few people that are willing to listen with care and, and, and give uh, loving feedback. 
David Mathis says, good listening requires patience. It's an act of love. It asks perceptive questions. It is ministry. It prepares us to speak well and reflects our relationship with God. Being a preacher, by the way, this is something for me to take note of. I told my wife last night, I said, I'm going to focus on the ministry of listening in regards to our relationship. <laughs> What's that? Tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. I'm going to start tomorrow. Not tonight. <laughs> I did say that was, a, that was a funny joke, though. That was a funny joke. I thought that was funny. I was preparing for the message. She understood. So listen, listen well. Do you listen well? Or, or when, when you're in a conversation with another brother and sister, are you always thinking about the next thing or what you want to say or a point that you're wanting to make? That hinders and damages fellowship. If we can't focus on the person in front of us and what they're saying and what they're going through and hear them out, and we just, we're focusing on us being understood but not understanding them, that is going to hinder and quench authentic, loving community. Okay, and so we need to do this. Believe the best rather than assume the worst. Okay, when something happens, when there's a misunderstanding, when there's a rub, believe the best because there is an accuser of the brethren, Satan, who is day and night pointing the finger at the saints, saying, you didn't measure up, you didn't measure up. You're, that's terrible. You're, you're, and he, he accuses us day and night. But we have a savior who's an advocate. Who stands in our place, the righteous one who took our place, who gives us his righteousness, who bore the punishment for our unrighteousness, going to the cross, to the grave, being resurrected from the dead, so that you and I can experience limitless grace and mercy for us, and then to channel it into the lives of others through our words and actions. And lastly, I want to challenge you to participate in a community group. Here at City Church, we know that Sunday morning is excellent and needed to gather together corporately, but also we know there needs to be a more intimate place to live out the one another's of Scripture. And that's what community groups are designed for, is for us to have a more intimate place in homes where we can eat together, pray together, encourage one another, just do life together. But even even beyond that, we know that it needs to go a step further. If we're going to really do life together, we need to get face to face with one another, do coffee, go go ride bikes together, go hang out at the playground with the kids or whatever. We We need to meet together as the people of God, do life together. And we do so not merely for the sake of socializing, the church is more than a social club, but but we, we do so for the sake of being on mission together for the glory of God and for the sake of the gospel. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father. We are your sons and daughters. And by your grace, you've brought us into your family and you've given us the gift of one another. We thank you for one another. We thank you that we're not alone. We have you and we have one another. We thank you for the mission. And this year, may we better live out the one another's of scripture. May we better live out the gospel. May we together with one voice glorify you. Be in harmony together. May we not focus on the secondary issues and make those primary issues. 
May we focus on the main thing. May we keep the gospel centered and love centered, your word centered. And may we be united around that common mission, that common vision you have for your people. And as we do so, God, would you fulfill your purpose for each of us individually as collectively we pursue your will. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. And may he lift up the light of his countenance upon you. And may he give you his peace. You guys have a great Sunday.